When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined once again by my best friend, JT Olson of Bucks Report. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's always good to see your face. And if you guys want to follow JT on Twitter, go do it. He is at Icewater Olson. And yeah, um, I guess we'll kind of get right into it. First thing I want to touch on is current events like honestly like i took a week off of uh the offseason stuff basically the super bowl parade for the rams broncos fans arguing over drew lock for an entire week uh meaningless speculation about what people think aaron Rodgers will do that we still don't honestly know um as we are recording this on wednesday though there are some things that have happened this week Aaron Rodgers had a cryptic Instagram post that ended up being nothing more than sharing gratefulness after pooping his brains out for 12 days. Uh, the Broncos made the Broncos had their coordinators meet with the media on Tuesday. Um, and I know there are corners of Broncos country that are now convinced that the Broncos new coaching staff is the best coaching staff ever. Um, based on some presser talk, uh, Again, it's the off season, so mo- most of that stuff. Um, I do want to touch on a couple things, just because the Aaron Rodgers thing we'll get to in a second. There was one thing that uh, the Broncos' defensive coordinator, Ajiro Avero, said at the press conference on Tuesday that I thought was notable. Um, 
he was asked what he learned about being on the Rams and what it takes to be a championship team. Uh, and I want to quote him because I, I think what he said was kind of important. Uh, the biggest thing I took away from this last season is you've got to have good players and the players have got to be committed to winning. The biggest thing is that you've got 17 games. You've got the off season program. You've got training camp. You've got hopefully the postseason. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. It's really about staying in the course. It's about developing a process that you believe you believe works and sticking to it. More than likely, you're not going to win all your games. There's going to be losses. There's going to be adversity. And the one thing we learned is that as you go through it, there's going to be a lot of challenges to your character, your approach, and your process. You've got to put the blinders on. You've got to have belief in what you're doing, and you've got to stay the course. If your process is right, which I believe it's going to be here, the people are right, and you stay the course, you're going to have the results you want. I personally... Jairo Vero is probably the Broncos new coordinator that I am really, really optimistic on just because of all the different people he has learned under that said, he is a first time coordinator. So obviously we don't really know yet, but am I crazy Jeff for saying, listening to that yet on Tuesday and then rereading it now for the third time, it sounds to me like he knows he needs talent. Uh, he mentioned the first thing he says is you've got to have good players and then he finished with the people are right and you stay the course. I just, I can't help but hear that and think he knows that the Broncos defense is missing pieces. Yeah, I think that's a good starting point. You know, saying you need talent to win. You know, I grew up near Detroit, so I grew up near a franchise that kind of went with the opposite philosophy. <laughs> so yeah, getting good players. That's a good starting idea. Trusting your process. That's a good concept. I think he's saying all the right things. It seems, it sounds a little cookie cutter to me. It's like, you know, there's nothing mind blowing there. There's nothing like, oh, wow, that's a really cool idea. That's a great philosophy. That's really insightful. You know, it's just, yeah, it's a statement. It, it's good. I agree with everything he said and, you know, we'll see what actually comes of it. Yeah. And I, and I want to say that that was probably to me, that was probably the best uh, quote that he had uh, by and large. And again, Maybe it's just because I've done this now for a little bit. Introductory press conferences are generally really softball questions by the media who are trying to just kind of create some personality for the coaches, for fans, try and build some relationships so they can get good stuff later. And, and then the organization essentially kind of throwing out sound bites that the PR team has already kind of drawn up for them with some talking points. Uh, the Broncos coordinators at the press conference use the word collaboration or collaborative 11 times, which does not seem like an accident. Again, that's great. I'm glad they said it, but I'm not excited based solely on, you know, some, some talking points at a press conference. I want to see what they do, but the fact that Averro did kind of hint at the fact that he needs talent. I thought that was good uh, because realistically Broncos country has been hearing for three months now. They trade for Aaron Rodgers and they're a Super Bowl team. They get a quarterback. They're a quarterback away. That's all they need. It's not true. Like, honestly, like I have looked at the Broncos roster. I have watched the games at length. There are significant needs on the defense and the right tackle situation. As of right now, the Broncos have one tackle on their roster who has NFL playing experience. Granted, they should be able to retain uh, Kelvin Anderson, but the defense needs an infusion of talent. Uh, strictly, you know, uh, they need to figure out what they're doing with their linebacker core. 
They need to help their defensive front. And honestly, Mike Purcell looks like he may be a cap casualty. Uh, as of right now, they do not have a nickel corner who is proven in the NFL. They have Michael Ojemudia, who could play it. It's probably better on the boundary. They have Ronald Darby, who is big ticket free agent last year. Best as a boundary corner. And then Patrick Sertan, who has proven that he is best as a boundary corner. So unless they really, really believe in Essang Bassi, they don't have a slot right now. So they're going to have to find one. Um, beyond that, edge rush. Uh, Avera, one of the other quotes he said, I don't have it right in front of me, but a lot of people in Broncos country are making a big deal about the fact that he said, essentially, if we can't get pressure with four, we're going to send five. If we can't get pressure with five, we're going to send six. It's the same thing Vic Fangio did. After George Payton gave Von Miller away, the Broncos blitzed a lot because they knew that that was the only way they were going to get pressure. Yeah, and I think that phrase is a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. I think you have to really think about what you mean when you say that. And if you think, yeah, this is a team that could conceivably, realistically go to the Super Bowl, that might be possible. You get an elite quarterback, won the MVP last year, stole it from Tom Brady, but that's another conversation. But yeah, you get that guy, you've got good pieces, he can go to a Super Bowl. Are they the favorite to win a Super Bowl? Probably not, even with him. Because if you just look at the roster, take quarterback out of it, compare Green Bay to Denver. Green Bay still has a better roster top to bottom. They've got the best wide receiver in football. They've got Jerry Alexander. They've got Rashawn Gary. They've got legitimately good pieces, even without Aaron Rodgers. And he couldn't get him to a Super Bowl. The last one was, what, 2012? There's an entirely different roster then. So, yes, they could conceivably go with Aaron Rodgers, but like you said, there are still holes. There are still issues. Even with him, they're probably still not the team to beat. And that brings me to the next big talking point from this week is Aaron Rodgers had the cryptic Instagram post. Honestly, when I saw it, I was convinced that he was leaving Green Bay. Um, It sounded to me, it sounded like he was either going to retire or he knew that he was going to leave. Uh, Then he went on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday. Basically said, no, I was just having a cleanse and I, you know, was just feeling really grateful. Uh, And honestly, listening to him talk to Pat McAfee, it sounded like he is kind of coming around to the idea of staying with the Packers. And there's a lot of speculation. I'm not going to get too far into the speculation of that. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you can lean on the Packers to kind of do what the Saints did with Drew Brees, where they extended a lot of people on voided contracts to spread out the cap hits. The Bucks did this too with with Tom Brady. You manage the cap and kind of massage it with the idea that we'll just pay for it, you know, three, four years down the road. But in the meantime, we have a Hall of Fame quarterback. We might as well chase a title. In the NFC, when you look around the NFC, it makes a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers to want to do that. Uh, Just because outside of the Rams, now that Tom Brady is retired, there's not really another like real Super Bowl favorite in the NFC unless you count the Rams. Yeah, it's it's really had a power shift in the NFC. And for years, I've always called AFC the JV League. But now, like you said, who's going to win the NFC South? Is it the Kyle Trask-led Buccaneers? Uh, I don't feel great about that necessarily. Is it the... Who, Ian Book, Taysom Hill, maybe re-sign Jameis Winston-led Saints. Don't feel great about that. So there's no real favorite there. 
mean, you got the NFC least Dallas. That's a good team, but we saw them get throttled by the 49ers in the playoffs who, you know, might be the next best team after the Rams and Packers. So, I mean, it is, it is a very winnable conference overall. And to me, again, like you, you look at that and then you look at the AFC and the AFC is basically a who's who of the top young quarterbacks in the league. So I can understand if Aaron Rodgers decides to try and stay with Green Bay. Cause the other part of that is if he knows he only has a year or two left, better to retire with the team that you've been with the whole time. It's probably better for your legacy than to go and try and chase a ring somewhere else. Cause odds are you're not going to do it. And then you left for what? Um, and again, I don't say that because I hope he doesn't leave. I hope he becomes a Bronco, but that's just kind of realistically. I think Broncos fans need to kind of prepare themselves for what does George Payton do if he cannot land Aaron Rodgers? And I've been thinking about this, you know, since honestly, since about halfway through this season, just because the Broncos season was over in November this year, uh, this quarterback market is pretty bad, uh, just straight up bad. Um, there is a lot of hope that Russell Wilson will force his way out of Seattle. Um, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport have both basically said that the only way that happens is if Russell Wilson kind of goes to the Seahawks and says, you have to trade me. I want out. So far, there has been no reports that that has happened. Adam Schefter actually was talking uh, on Ari Mariv's uh, podcast today. And again, this is Wednesday and said that that has not happened. And the timeline for that, you would think, is January. So we're in February, almost in March, and it hasn't happened yet, which means to me that it might not happen at all. Uh, but then at that point, you're looking at Kirk Cousins, although it looks like the Minnesota Vikings want to keep him. Uh, and then after that, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, if he gets clear of all the 22 allegations of sexual misconduct that are against him. And that sounds like it's not going to happen until at least April now. Um, and then if at all, obviously, uh, so the trade market is looking like it's kind of Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz or bust. And then you look at free agency and Broncos country is going to hate to hear this. It's Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton. Uh, it's, it's barren. Um, a lot of Broncos fans are basically kind of talking themselves into another year with Drew Locke, just on the idea that, well, Drew Locke went four and one with Rich Gangarello. And Nathaniel Hackett's offense is kind of like Rich Gangarello's offense. So he'll be good again. He'll win for, you know, he'll win uh, 80% of his games. I don't know if that's a realistic plan. And, you know, obviously covering the Bucks, I'm in a similar boat looking for quarterback answers. And I've tried to get interested in Aaron Rodgers, but I really don't see him going anywhere. Because, you know, he's a diva. And what do divas do? They make noise until they get what they want. They don't actually do anything. They just complain and threaten to do things until they get what they want. And he's probably going to get what he wants in Green Bay. Russell Wilson, I think, is the ideal option. But like you said, he hasn't had any noise that he's leaving Seattle lately. Even when he had, he had a very short list of teams last year he was interested in being traded to. I think at this point, the biggest hope is Deshaun Watson, and you trade three first-round picks and get a guy who maybe plays this year, half the year, we don't really know, and just kind of hope that works out legally. There was hope of Derek Carr, but it sounds like Oakland's going to keep him. It's bad. 
right now, I would chop off my left foot to give Jameis Winston another shot here in Tampa because he's the best that's realistically out there. Him and if Carson Wentz is some, you know, on a realistic option to be traded or cut, he's probably at the top of my list right now. And to me, if Carson Wentz is the best option out there, it's a bad market. I, I, my brother's an Eagles fan. So I've, I've watched a decent bit of Carson Wentz over the last four years. If Doug Peterson and Frank Wright can't fix him, I don't think he can be fixed. And there's so much optimism because he started his career off really well with the Eagles. And you thought, okay, he's going to the Colts. He's got familiarity with that staff. He can rekindle some of that magic. And then he, he just looked really bad at times this year. Just super inconsistent. The lows were very low. And you, it makes you wonder what happened to that guy who was leading the Eagles into the playoffs, having an MVP, MVP type season the year they went on that Super Bowl run. He has not been the same since that. No. Oh. And both Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo, both of them have a lot of injury questions as well. So for me, knowing that the Broncos are not a quarterback away, I would say that I would rather George Payton keeps the draft capital he has than uses it on a quarterback that a year from now the Broncos are going to be giving away or cutting to move on from. And that's what both Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo look like to me. Uh, the quarterback that you trade for for a year to potentially be a bridge to a, a rookie. And, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But but ideally, neither one of those guys are guys you extend and keep around any length of time. Um, so why give up meaningful draft capital for him? Again, if, if, if Carson Wentz is a free agent and the Broncos sign him for whatever it takes to sign him uh, within reason, I'm not going to like it. Uh, I think it's better than Mitch Trubisky. I think Mitch Trubisky is a joke, um, but nope. I'm not excited about it. it but realistically, and, and, it, and it feels really weird to be at the beginning of an offseason be in this point. Realistically, if the Broncos do not trade for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think there's an exciting option at quarterback available to them. I think, again, I'm in a similar situation. Yeah. The most exciting option besides potentially getting Deshaun Watson out of legal trouble, it's drafting one of these rookies that no one is excited about. Yeah. And we've talked, you know, there's one guy in this class who I'm excited about, and that's my dream scenario for my team at this point. But other than that, I mean, if you're not getting that one guy or you're taking a big bet on Malik Willis, who is not NFL ready at this point, but he has a lot of great potential, it's it's a – up and down class. There's not some top end talent in this class. No. And to me, if, if the alternative is using draft picks to trade for a bad quarterback, I would rather the Broncos use their second round pick, one of their second round picks or one of their third round picks and take a swing on whatever quarterback is sliding down the board and then have that guy compete with Drew Locke for a year and just be ready to move on and draft another quarterback next year. Again, I don't think that's an option that's lit, like actually going to lead them to the playoffs. Um, I will not be surprised. If the Broncos miss on Aaron Rodgers, I do not think they're going to finish with a winning record next year. Um, I just think that it's going to be a quote-unquote redshirt year for the new coaching staff, a year after a quote-unquote redshirt year for the new GM is what I think is going to happen. Um, and again, I'm not excited by it, but I think that that's kind of what things are heading towards, uh, which is honestly... 
people get I have been getting frustrated just because it does sound like I am all in on Rodgers. I get it because there are a lot of questions about Aaron Rodgers as well. His age, he got hurt uh, this year. He's been injured before. Um, the cost of acquiring him, all those things are real. But if the Broncos are trying to chase a winning record slash Super Bowl this year, I don't think there's another realistic option for them. Yeah, it's really hard to win a Super Bowl if you don't have a great quarterback. And I mean a great quarterback. And people always point to, oh, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl with the the 2000 Ravens, which might be the greatest defense in NFL history. And then Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl with the 2002 Bucks, which is right there in that same conversation for the greatest defense in NFL history. And Peyton Manning in 2015, similar story. Peyton yep. Manning wasn't good that year. I call him zombie Manning, but honestly, like the no fly zone is arguably the best defense in modern NFL history. Yeah. So you have to be really, really good everywhere else. If you don't have a great quarterback, like look back a few years ago when the Rams went with Jared Goff, they had Aaron Donald, they had Todd Gurley, who I think people forgot. He was like the MVP that year. He had an amazing season. He caught the ball. He ran the ball. He was an incredible player then. So they were great everywhere except quarterback. And they didn't even win. Yeah. So sorry, guys, if, you know, this episode's a little bit dour, a little bit down. I'm, I'm excited for a lot of individual players on the Broncos. Um, but as of right now, knowing what might be ahead of them. I am not particularly excited about year one of the Nathaniel Hackett era. Uh, I just think if they're, if they're going to roll out like a Mitch Trubisky versus Drew Locke competition, we're going to be arguing about two bad quarterbacks that the Broncos will move on from in a year. So uh, with that kind of in mind, um, kind of moving away from that, because I don't want to, you know, just continue to beat a dead horse here. I thought it would be fun to kind of do a dueling, uh, dueling banjo mock, uh, kind of setting the table for the Broncos pick, if that makes sense to you. Um, I'm going to let you pick odds or evens. Um, but the first thing I'm going to do, uh, I want to set the table for this, um, for listeners. So here's kind of the scenario I worked out in my head. Aaron Rodgers is going to remain a Packer. Russell Wilson remains a Seahawk. Two days before the draft, the Carolina Panthers trade for Deshaun Watson. So the Houston Texans end up with the Carolina Panthers picks. Uh, Kirk Cousins stays with Minnesota. Carson Wentz landed with the Washington Commanders. And Jimmy Garoppolo is traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So in this scenario, the Broncos still do not have a quarterback. They have Drew Locke. And then if they had, you know, they maybe they draft, maybe they signed Mitch Trubisky or something like that but they do not have a long-term option at quarterback because right now that's kind of what I see happening. Um, so I will let you pick. We'll go back and forth. Do you want to be the first overall pick or the second overall pick? I want to be the second overall pick, but okay. to clarify, the Texans have the sixth pick in this scenario from Carolina in the Watson trade. Yes. So okay. in this, in this scenario, I will end up picking the first Houston Texans pick. You will end up picking the second Houston Texans pick. Um, that will also happen with the. Uh, no, never mind. It won't happen with the Giants. I forgot. I got the numbers wrong. Um, so yeah. So in this scenario, there are eight picks. I will have the Jaguars, the 
the Texans, the Giants, the Giants again, and then you will have the Lions, the Jets, the Texans, and the Falcons. Awesome. I don't know how you want to approach this. The way I am approaching this in terms of like putting on my GM hat and, you know, doing whatever I do, I am making the pick that I would make if I was the GM of that team. Not necessarily what I think they're going to do, uh, but I'm going to try and make the moves that I think they should make. Uh, so for the Jaguars, the first thing I'm doing is I'm taking Evan Neal. My thought process being they badly need a tackle. Beyond that, they took Trevor Lawrence first overall last year, and they desperately need to find out if he is actually going to be every bit as good as they hope he is. Uh, the best way they can do that is support him with help. And I think their tackle situation is so bad that whether Evan Neal ends up being the left tackle or the right tackle, he should be helpful. Yeah, I think that thought process makes a lot of sense. Uh, offensive tackle, I think, is definitely the way to go there. I know you picked Evan Neal. I think that's been one of the popular picks. Uh, Ikem, I can never say his name. The guy out of NC State. Ikem Aquano. Thank you. I trip over that every single time. I always read it, and then I go to say it, and it's like, uh, he's one that's been mocked there several times as well. Yeah, I'm still not willing to take Charles Cross out of that conversation for number one because I think he's going to test really well at the combine, and I think he's really smooth in pass protection, and I think he's just going to be kind of that Eric Fisher from 2013. You know, it's a mix of talent at the top. You don't know who's going number one. He's athletic. He's a great pass blocker. I think he's going to be in the mix eventually. But I think Evan Neal's a real solid pick there. All right, so that puts me on the clock at number two. Detroit Lions, year two of the Dan Campbell kneecap-biting era. So what we need to do first and foremost, we want to get a pass rusher. They spent their first-round pick last year on an offensive tackle and got Penai Sewell. This year, they're going back to the trenches. And they're going to pick either Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. I think both of these guys would do really well in Detroit. I think predictably, I think they're going to pick Aiden Hutchinson because I think his ability against the run is something that's going to appeal to Dan Campbell. His grit, his toughness, he's a hometown kid. I think that will eventually be the pick. But if I'm doing it my way, I'm taking Kayvon Thibodeau because I think he's a better player. He's so much more bendy than Aiden Hutchinson. The way he can dip and get around the edge, he's surprisingly powerful. He uses his length really well. I think he's a great outside linebacker kind of prospect. So number two, I'm taking Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, back-to-back Ducks for the Lions. And I got to say, I like the pick. Uh, For the longest time, Kayvon Thibodeau was considered kind of the consensus number one. People compared him to Javon Kearse. Uh, those of you who are too young probably don't remember this, but Kearse was called the freak because of his first step. Uh, Kayvon, I don't know if necessarily he's as bendy as, like, say, Vaughn Miller. Um, I don't know if anybody in this class is. But that said, he has probably the best combination of hand moves, first step, bend, and explosiveness of anybody at the top of this class. And beyond that, I agree with you. I I could see them going either way here. I know that the NFL is starting to try and, you know, poke holes in Thibodeau's, like, mindset and his demeanor just because he said he didn't want to go to Alabama because of his brand. 
Uh, that said, I think that's one of those things. Like, I hope that he slides. Um, if he slides all the way to nine, I'm not going to complain. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good pick, and it makes sense for them. You got like the Lions badly need a pass rush. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, their defense was awful last year. Matt Patricia left the covered completely bare. And it was just ground up rebuild it was just complete and utter reset trading matt stafford they had some pieces in gosh it's hard to think of anyone they had tj hawkinson frank ragnow is a really good center but other than that it's slim pickens in detroit so with the texans first pick uh we have traded deshaun watson we are at the beginning of the official davis mills era uh, we have not traded Laramie Tunsil yet, but we're in the process of trying to do so during this draft. Um, Brandon Cooks was dealt for a third-round pick at one point, so we have an extra third somewhere. We have our sixth overall pick. But with the third overall pick, we are going to try and take the best player on our board regardless because we have needs everywhere. We are going to shock the world. We are going to take Kyle Hamilton. Ooh, okay. And the thought process being, even though I know safety – at third overall is very rich. Uh, Kyle Hamilton honestly has the potential to be the best player out of this draft class, period. Uh, has the range to do anything you would ask a free safety to do. He has the size to play around the box. He can cover enough to play in the slot if you need him to do so. He can do it all. Um, and I think that he gives you a foundational defensive player to at least start to have an identity on defense. Granted, and again, this is like where me, the GM, kind of has some issue with Nick Casario, the GM. I don't necessarily know that he's a great fit or he's going to be maximizing the Lovey Smith defense. But that said, I don't expect them to keep Lovey Smith around beyond this year. They're going to do the same thing that they did before. They're going to probably can him and scapegoat him to hire Josh McCown at the first possible opportunity. If I'm the GM... Um, I'm, I'm grabbing Kyle Hamilton knowing whether it's Lovey Smith next year or a real coach like that we believe in long-term. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton gives us a foundational player. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one because the Texans right now, their best player is Justin Reed, who's also a safety. And he is a free agent this year. And I would, ex- well, I'd expect a smart team to try and bring him back. Texans don't fall into that category, but you know, if they have a combination of Justin Reed and Kyle Hamilton, that's a dynamic pair of safeties. And it gives the absolute worst franchise in the NFL right now 
a legitimate strength, which is weird to think about for the Texans. So, okay. so now that Kyle, so as of now, the first three picks for those listening: Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Kyle Hamilton. And now the New York Jets are on the clock. New York Jets on the clock. So, Robert Sala, defensive guy. Jets, bad defense. I don't anticipate that being the plan next year. So, since Kayvon Thibodeau went number two, I think they're going to try and get one of those other pass rushers. In reality, I think that probably will be Thibodeau if the Texans don't take him. But in this scenario, I'm going to give him Aiden Hutchinson because they need to build everywhere. This roster is awful. And they have two top 10 picks. So they can really get some foundational pieces for their defense. I think Salah is going to love Aiden Hutchinson's mindset. He's one of those ultimate hustle grinder kind of guys. He uses his hands really well. He's smart. People have compared him to Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa. I don't know if he's that level of prospect, but you know who's got a lot of familiarity with those guys? Robert Sala. So I think he's really going to like Hutchinson. I think it's a really natural fit for the kind of defense they run. And I think you're going to get that foundational pass rusher because this is another team that really needs a pass rush. Yeah, and I like the pick a lot because I think Hutchinson does give them uh, somebody who they can kind of juice their pass rush with. Um, I know last year they, they signed Carl Lawson. I know Carl Lawson, all the reports out of camp were that he was looking very good. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt. Uh, when you look at his injury history, it is not necessarily a big surprise that he got hurt. Um, he has been hurt a decent bit before he signed with the Jets. Uh, so I do think it makes sense to fortify that defensive line regardless. And I think Aiden Hutchinson gives them a kind of grinder who can do that. Uh, yeah, I like the pick. Um, I do agree with you. If it is not Hutchinson, if Thibodeau is there, I think they are going to go that way as well. Um, it would be interesting to see what they do if both of those edge rushers are gone, because in that scenario, I think they are going to try and probably grab back seven help. Although Robert Sala doesn't really, Robert Sala runs a lot of zones. So I don't know necessarily if he's going to draft a cornerback that high. So it would be really interesting to kind of play that out, but. In this scenario, they didn't have to. They grabbed Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, so with with the fifth overall pick, I am the Giants. And it's not even a hard pick for me. I am going to take Iki Ikuanu. Uh We have Andrew Thomas on our left tackle spot. Last year, he looked pretty good. On the rest of the offensive line, we have a lot of question marks. Brian Dable has said that we are going to do everything we can to ensure... Daniel Jones is successful. And one of the big things to do to do that is to improve his protection because J- Daniel Jones has this troubling habit of going completely dark to the pass rush and just completely oblivious to whatever pressure he's under. Uh, so we need to make sure that his protection is good. Um, Icky gives us somebody who is a tone setter in the run game. He is the best run blocker in this draft class. Uh, but beyond that, he is actually a much better pass protector than he's given credit for. He can step in immediately as a right tackle, and we have a building block. Yeah. I think when you're picking this high, you just want to draft as many good players as possible. And whether there's been some conversation of he's going to be a guard or a tackle, you're getting a good player. 
this is going to be a guy you want to build your franchise around. And for a team that is on the rebuild, they've invested into their offensive line. You want to keep building on that. I've said it before when I've been on this podcast, elite strengths win championships, whether that's secondary Legion of boom, or that's offensive line. You have to be great at certain things and building in the offensive line. That's a really good place to be great. So I think it's a really smart pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. Give yourself bookend tackles. I like it. So as of now, we have Evan Neal, Kevon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, Aiden Hutchinson, and Ikem Aquanu are all off the board. The Houston Texans are back on the board, thanks to the Deshaun Watson trade uh, via the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule decided that he would take his chances with Deshaun Watson uh, rather than Sam Darnold. And, uh, yeah, the Houston Texans are the beneficiaries. So with the sixth overall pick, what would you guys like to do? Well, first of all, I'd like to complain because in this scenario, it's really hard because the Texans have so many needs. And in real life, I think this is a really obvious pick on what I would do for Carolina. I would definitely draft Charles Cross for them. In this scenario, the Texans have a franchise left tackle. Might be looking to move them, but at the moment still have them. So I have to figure out which one of these massive holes am I going to try and fix? And kind of going on that same thought process I just talked about before, elite strengths winning championships, I'm going to build on the pick you made in Kyle Hamilton, and I'm going to draft the best corner in this draft. And this is a really good corner class. Talk about Derek Stingley, talk about Sauce Gardner, uh, Kiara Elam out of Florida is a guy I really like, Roger McCreary out of Auburn is a guy I really like. But my top corner in this class is Andrew Booth out of Clemson. I love what he brings to the table. I think he can play man coverage really well. I think he's a great athlete. I think he has really good ball skills. Pair him with Kyle Hamilton, potentially Justin Reed coming back, and you've got a really good young secondary. And I think Lovey Smith will only be there for a year, like you said. He's not going to last long. He's going to like the idea of having a really good secondary. And I do like the idea that Lovey Smith is a really good defensive coach. Uh, again, I... I, I, I don't want to bag on him with the idea that he's, you know, a, help, a hopeless coach. He was very good with the Bears uh, without a, a legitimate quarterback for most of his tenure. Uh, so I, I, I do think that he is getting a bit of a short end of the stick with the Texans, just like David Culley did. Um, but I do think that if you're going to have him as the coach, having secondary players that he can at least coach up for a year – might set them up for success long-term. So I like the pick. Uh, now the New York Giants are back on the clock. And uh, since we already took a tackle, we don't need another one. Uh, the next thing that we could use help with is on our defense. We could definitely build out our lines there. Uh, and this might be a bit of a surprise, but we are going to take Georgia's Trayvon Walker. Uh, Trayvon Walker gives us uh, Don Wink Martindale, gives him a player who can win on stunts, who is an athletic mismatch player. You can move him inside. You can move him outside. He is strong enough to play two gap if you want to do that. Uh, maybe not. Like, he's going to need to improve his hands, but we just watched Don, uh, Wink Martindale kind of maximize Odafe Owe 
who had a similar problem uh, last year. Obviously, they're a little bit different players. But Trayvon Walker gives you borderline elite physical talent in a 280-pound package. He has the length to play uh, a five technique. He can play a three technique. The Bulldogs actually used him as a stand-up linebacker, mugging the A-gaps at times. Uh, he can drop in coverage here and there. He he does everything you really want, except for the fact he really, really does need to improve his hands and kind of develop a pass rush repertoire and get better at disengaging from blocks. But in year one, he's a young player, uh, a true junior coming out. I think that he could become a foundational piece in time, and he will get a chance to do that in New York. Yeah, that one caught me off guard a little bit, I'll be honest. I like him. I think he's a really good prospect. Definitely a top five edge in this class. I think I would have gone Carl or George Karlafkas there. He's my he's actually my edge too, still available at this point. So don't hate the pick, don't hate the player. Don't know if it's the way I would have gone, but I like the thought process there. And now the Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. What would you guys like to do? Oh, another team that just had needs on needs. And no cap uh, space. Yeah, yeah, it's there are rebuilds, and then there are years you know a rebuild is coming and you're not good enough to compete, but you're not rebuilding yet, and it's just kind of purgatory. That's where the Falcons are. It's not a good place to be. Mm-mm. So they have no receivers. I have no idea what's going on with Calvin Ripley. I wish him all the best with his quest for mental health. That is a legitimate challenge. I think it's glossed over. But I, from a football perspective, I have no idea if he's going to play again. I have no idea if he's going to play for the Falcons. So they have no receivers to speak of. They have no pass rush to speak of. They have one corner. They have a safety who I like in Richie Grant. They have a linebacker. It's a bad situation at Atlanta. So I'm just going to take the best player available. And... Looking at my board, that is probably going to be, let's see, who are the Falcons' tackle situation? They have Caleb McGarry starting. That's gross. I'm going to take Charles Cross because <laughs> I have no faith that Caleb McGarry is a good player. That makes sense. <laughs> I like Charles Cross. I think he makes a lot of sense for you guys. He gives you a pure left tackle who can step in. Uh, the Falcons made the choice last year to keep Matt Ryan, even though he is getting older, uh, and he is very expensive. Uh, if they're going to do that, they need to try and put him in position to succeed. I think making sure he has protection is one of the ways you can do that. I also know that, uh, Arthur Smith likes to run the ball and in that system, having a tackle who can kind of, and again, Charles cross is a little bit more unproven as a run blocker. But he has the tools to do it. And he has the footwork to be a very good zone blocker. And that's surprising. Like, people don't really understand this or don't seem to talk about this. Arthur Smith's offense uses a lot of zone blocking. Yeah, I mean, I think it gets overshadowed because how big Derrick Henry is and what a freak athlete he is. You expect expect him to just run up the A-gap, run over a defensive tackle, run over a linebacker, drag three players into the end zone. He's at his best bouncing things outside. You don't want to bang him through the tackles. He's an outside kind of player. That's kind of how the Titans offense ran. That's how I expect the Falcons offense to continue to run. So Charles is really, really good in space. He is not Evan Neal. He's not going to 
push people around at the point of attack so much. But if you get him on the move on the second level, he's a really good run blocker. Agreed. We are at the Broncos pick, but I, w- I do want to go over the first eight picks just to kind of set the table. Um, so we, we took Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, Aiden Hutchinson, Ikem Ekwanu, Andrew Booth, Trayvon Walker, and Charles Cross are all off the board. If you are in charge of the Denver Broncos at this point, who would you take? And if you can't decide, we can debate. I would say give me your top three names. Oh, top three names. I think I think I would keep Sam Howell in the conversation, knowing the need at quarterback, knowing there's one quarterback in this class who I believe in, and that's Sam Howell. So he's in the conversation for me. I would also consider George Karlaftis, because I think he's the second best pass rusher in this class. And I don't think you can ever have too many good pass rushers. And how do you feel about your linebacker situation inside? So the Broncos have Baron Browning, who they took in the third round last year. And then uh, beyond that, they have Justin Sernod, who got benched against the Cleveland Browns and basically did not play again. And then they have nobody that has, like, any proven experience. Uh, I think all signs point to them keeping Jonas Griffith as an exclusive free agent. Uh, So I think that they'll keep him for league minimum. Uh, He looked okay over the last couple games. Um Beyond that, though, he played a couple games, and other than that, he was a special teamer. So he is a pretty big question mark in a new defense. And I think I'm going to keep Kobe Dean in the conversation for the Broncos because I think he's an absolute stud of a linebacker. I think he can cover, he can run, he can shoot the gap. He's super instinctive. I think he's worth thinking about at nine, even though I think it's not the biggest – value in terms of position i think in terms of talent i only have i think two maybe three players above him and two of them are inside offensive linemen that's fair uh so the players that i kind of have on my radar here and anybody who's kind of like been keeping up with where i'm at with the draft probably this isn't a big surprise i would definitely be considering david ajabo from michigan i am a huge fan of his I think that he is the closest edge rusher in this class to Von Miller. Um, don't think he is Von Miller, but similar freaky like athleticism. I do think that he has very, very good bend. Uh, I do think that he as kind of pretty inexperienced uh, late to the game, came to the game at 17 years old, didn't play a lot at Michigan. This last year was his first year starting. Uh, so he's going to need to continue to refine his hands get better against the run, stuff like that. But, I mean, the tools are there. Uh, and I do think that he's better against the run than he gets. he's given credit for. Uh, and I don't necessarily buy into the idea that he was only good because of Aiden Hutchinson. I know some people have kind of run with that. I've watched his tape. I don't think that's the case. Uh, so he's one person that I am like definitely keeping an eye on. One of the other ones is Derek Stingley and Ahmad Gardner. Uh, I was... Uh, from the Broncos perspective, if they're going to try and run a similar defense to what they did last year, the Broncos ran a lot of match principles and they ran a lot of cover one. Uh, and it made sense with Patrick Sertan. 
if they're going to try and run with Patrick Sertan as one of your boundary corners and run him in man, having Ahmad Gardner on the other side would actually be really, really ideal. Just for the idea that he's long, he's very, very good in man coverage, and he can kind of shut guys down. You put him on one boundary side and then uh, Sertan on the other, that would give you the freedom to probably blitz more because you can kind of count on your corners to hold up in isolation. Uh, Derek Stingley, I have not watched his most recent tape as much, uh, but his freshman tape is about as good as it gets from this class. Uh, so he's one of those guys. He's on my list. I'm definitely going to study him more. I am intrigued by him, though, for sure. Um, I know after that first year, basically people said he was going to be one of the top three picks. There was no way he's going to be here, and he's here. Yeah, I think Stingley's a name I was looking at as well. Um, like you said, his first year, he was great. And then he hasn't lived up to that hype since then. Uh, I still think he's a really good player. I think he's a really good prospect. I think I'm going to finalize my opinion on him a little more after the combine, see how he tests, see what his injury status is, because he has been injured the last couple years. Yeah. But I think in talent-wise, he's definitely worth consideration. Sauce, I'm not quite as high on. Same with Ajabo. Obviously, I went with a different pass rusher there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think... He has a lot of physical gifts. We talk about his size and ability to run. That's definitely something worth looking at with Sauce Gardner. So I, I definitely get the thought process behind all those guys. So with that, I kind of, uh, we are going to, this is going to be dropped with a post. Uh, so those of you, if you wish to kind of give us your thoughts on who the Broncos should take here, uh, check that out. It will be at Mile High Report uh, next week. I will take a look at what you guys decided and we'll give it a grade. Is there anything that you're really like kind of keeping an eye out for before the combine? Um, Cause I know right now we're kind of in like the off off season. Like we're, we're the super bowl is now a couple weeks behind us. The combine is a week away. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't decide anything. There hasn't been any monumental trade like this time last year. This was when the, the Matthew Stafford trade actually went down. Nothing like that has happened yet. We've seen some drama about uh, Jesse Bates, whether he wants to be franchise tagged or not. We've seen talk about Devontae Adams potentially getting franchise tagged or not. Is there anything else that I'm missing? I don't think so. I think this is that time where you're kind of lining up what free agents you want to resign, where you're going to use the franchise tag, who you expect to be on the market, and kind of waiting for that first domino to fall in terms of quarterback. Is it going to be Russell Wilson being traded? Is something going to happen with Watson? Is it going to be Carson Wentz? Just kind of waiting for something at this point. Yeah. Well, there's nobody I'd rather wait for that stuff with than you. So thanks for joining me. (laughs) Um, Always my pleasure. And guys, again, if you do not follow JT on Twitter, go do it. He is at Icewater Olson. Go check out his work at Bucks Report. He is a lot more optimistic about this quarterback class than I am. He actually wrote about this quarterback class at Bucks Report. You guys should check that out. But yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me. It was fun. Yeah, anytime, brother.